0: Know about you, but um, I've watched probably a little more news this week than I normally do. And I've had several people raise a question anytime there's uncertainty in the world, and the question goes something like this Do you think we're living in the last days? And the answer is yes, I do. I really do. I I actually believe that in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, you know, we're, we don't know when, we don't know how. We know that, that Jesus is coming back. Because I, I just want us to just say, this has nothing to do with my message. That this is free, all right, all right? No, this is free. Um, man, I, we, we need to be praying for our brothers and sisters in Eastern Europe. You know, a lot of times, uh, our praying only concerns immediate situations and things that we're personally closely connected to. But guys, we have brothers and sisters in Christ that we're going to be spending eternity with, that are, that are going through right now, and I, I'm just praying God stops the madness that's taking place in Ukraine. But but I, let me just say this: i, I've, I you know when it, when it comes to d- discerning well you know what's going on. Number one, I always say, watch Israel, watch what's watch what's taking place. Second thing, watch the news. It, it's amazing if if you look at if you read Daniel nine, you look at Matthew twenty five, look at the book of Revelation. There, there, is some, there is some clarity. Now, do we know the how, the when, all of this? No, but there are some things that we can be looking out for. The third thing is watch politics. The, the aligning and all of that thing, just, just you know, the, the, there are three things you can watch out for. But, but I was thinking about this because usually when a person asks the question, well, you think we're living the last days? It's almost, it's, it's almost asked in a, in a context of fear. And church, just before we jump into what I have for us today, can I say this? There is no fear when it comes to the end, because all that means is whatever, whenever, however, we're going to be caught up with the Lord. And I'm looking forward to that day. There's a hope that we have, church, as, as, as a family of God, as sons and daughters of God. And I praise God for that. Now, when I think about that, you know, I will tell you, there's a sense of expectancy. I look, I am looking forward for, for Christ to come. But, but I, I will say, I will say there's also, when it comes to this expectancy, man, we are called to holiness. And, and so this, this should be, not that it's a fear-based thing, it's a hopeful-based thing. Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming back. And, and so it's, it's just another motivation for us to live the holy lives that he's called us to. The second thing is there's this sense of imminency. It could happen Today. I can think of a better way for for me to leave from here and go up there than right here, right now. Now, we don't know when, but we're trusting him. But there's also a sense of urgency. And I would say this, today is the day of salvation. And guys church we have been given a mission Jesus mission for us is still the same today as it has always been to unite people with Jesus and help them take their next steps and that's what we're going to be about and so church let's be the church let's pray let's 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 share let's let's live but not live as those who have no hope. We have the incredible hope, I believe, that thanks to the fact that Christ hasn't come back, the best is yet to come. I believe it with all of my heart. And so as we jump into the, the, the time together, let's just ask God's blessing on the, on the time of word and, and pray for our brothers and sisters there in Eastern Europe. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we have as the family of God to gather. And there is something that we take for granted, this, this great privilege that we have to, to come together publicly today declare, man, our, our, uh, our praise to you, to sing our praise to you, to remind each other of the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. But God, while we have this privilege here today, we know that even in Ukraine today, there are brothers and sisters that, that are, are meeting together, but it's, it's different circumstances, they are, they are facing the reality of, of, of their situation, and I pray for them. I pray for their protection. I pray for you to move, not just in, in our Ukrainian brothers and sisters, but all those in Eastern Europe, even there in Russia, dear God, that you would do a work in the church, dear God, that the church would be bold. Dear God, I, I, I thank you for the, for the stories that are coming out. And I think of the one pastor that said that they're gonna do today what they've always done. They're just going to come together and praise, sing, pray, and declare the gospel. And God, I pray for you to do a mighty work even in the midst of the craziness. I pray that war would cease there. But God, whatever takes place, we are trusting you. And we thank you for the incredible hope that we have of the return of Christ. We thank you for the incredible hope that we have of eternal life, that this world and its chaos is not the end. Thank you for the hope of judgment when the wrong will be turned upright. And so God, in these days, I pray that we would live holy lives. And God, even as we dig into your Word today, I'm praying that you would change us, convict us, and Lord, in some way, some way, give us clarity on those next steps to which you're calling us, and for what you're going to do in and through your people today. We'll thank you for this, and I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, "Amen." Amen. I want you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter four, and while you're turning to Ephesians four, let me let me start off. Uh, let me start off this way. In fact, guys, throw up a picture here. I want anybody recognize this. Like like how many of you ever went to a Blockbuster? Let me see your hands. Oh yeah. So, so so like like let me explain it this way. Like if you've never been to a Blockbuster, they used to have these things called video cassettes. Amazing, like technology you, you would you would actually put them in the VCR if your head, the head wasn 't clean right you 'd have this line that just keeps on going up the entire movie but but like, like if, if you 've never been to Blockbuster, the best way to explain it is it 's like if you crawled inside a red box machine, you know what i 'm saying it's like all these movies you get to check them out three hundred ninety nine for four or five days, whatever it was and so it was you know Lori and I when we first got married, we had our blockbuster card and so I remember we'd only been married a few months. We, we went to Blockbuster and um, checked out a movie called City of Angels. Anybody ever heard of that movie? Okay, well, if you haven't, uh, this song. In the arms of the angel. Okay, like, you've, you've seen that commercial? Like, like where they, they play that song, and it's like puppy dogs, like... And like you like adopted, I don't know what it is. But anyway, that song was like the theme song from this movie, all right? So, so I'm gonna give you like the quick synopsis of the movie, like, like you care. Um, there's a guy named Seth. Well, I say he's a guy, he's an angel named Seth and uh, played by Nicolas Cage, that'll tell you something. But anyway, um, Nicolas Cage is the angel that, that actually walks with people when they die and guides them to heaven, all right? So he, he's assigned to Los Angeles, he shows up at a hospital. A guy's dying. He's going to take him to heaven. And so the, there's a surgeon there. Her name's Maggie. And uh, she's trying to save this guy's life. He dies. And but, but Seth, before he takes the guy to heaven, is just blown away at how much Maggie cares. And she has a heart. And long story short, the angel Seth falls in love with Maggie. And, and okay, listen. <laughs> so... Apparently, according to the theology of this movie, um, the angel has the option where he can actually become a fallen angel, where he, he can become a person. And so he trades in his angelic, angelic status, comes down, fall, you know, to, so he can pursue and, and woo Maggie. Long story short, they fall in love. She gets, I mean, spoiler alert. Actually, it came out in 98. If you haven't watched it, you're not going to watch it. But <laughs> she gets killed. And, and, and here was the deal. Like, I went, I, I, I went on. I Googled this, because there was a line in there. Well, let me just read it. Seth was asked if it was worth making the switch, and here's what he said. I would rather have one breath of her hair, one kiss of her lips, one touch of her hand, than eternity without it. And, and like the movie closes with him running along the beach, like in the surf. And like, there's this, this landscape of angels and Maggie or what I hit stop. And I turned to Lori and I'm like, that is the stupidest movie we've ever watched. Like, like I'm telling you, it was dumb. And you're like, that is my favorite movie. You need the message. I'm getting ready to preach. I'm just saying right now. I mean, Cause I'm like, man, are you, are you kidding me? Like one breath, one kiss for an eternity of what? What, what are you talking about? Like, I mean, the, the theology of the movie is weak, but there is one thing that jumps out. And it's, it's this thing that I call the idolatry, the idolatry of our feelings. And I wanna talk about that today. Because we, last week we looked at Romans 12. It says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of our minds. And so we talked last week that the renewing of our mind, that our mind is made up of thoughts and ideas, and we talked about that last week, but also feelings. I didn't have time to get into that, so we're doing that today. The renewing of our mind, it's not just the renewing and transformation of our thoughts and our ideas, it's also the transformation of our feelings. Now, real quick, before I jump in, like some of you are like, oh man, it's going to be good. Good. You're like looking out of the corner of your eye at your spouse or somebody else. You're like, they need this because they are way too emotional. Okay, John Wayne, hold on a second here. (laughs) This is not gonna be a message where I dog on feelings or emotions because I want you to know this. We serve a God. We are created in the image of a God who has feelings. We We are given feelings not to be repressed or denied. We are given feelings that are, however, as we're gonna look at, to be subjected to God just like every other part of us. But there are a few things I want us to understand as we jump in about feelings. First of all, they're a gift, they move us, they enjoy us. In fact, man, while we're singing, we sang What a Wonderful Name It Is. Can I tell you, just as we're singing that song, there was something within me that is responding to the truth of those lyrics. I was moved. I love feelings because it, it moves us. That's that's not a bad thing, right? Thank God. Thank God. And they get like, well, I, I just don't like music. Oh, I, okay, sports. Like U.S. Sport. You ever been moved when your team wins? Well, if you're a fan of my teams, when they lose, well, like there there are, there are emotions. You're like, I don't get that either. Okay, needlepoint. Whatever. Whatever your thing is, we we have feelings. They move us. And that is, a, that, that is a good thing. Listen to me. Feelings are a blessing that God has given us. They give us a sense of being alive. They are essential. Listen, healthy feelings are essential to the life God has called us to. However, on the other hand, feelings that are hijacked by Satan are perverted and stained by sin. On the other hand, Though they can be a blessing from God, they can also become a problem. Because here's a few things I know feelings, especially destructive feelings, spread, right? And think about it you, you get hurt. Everybody in this room at some point has been hurt by someone. Hurt, if it's not addressed. And by the way, can I just tell you, there are times where you've been hurt and the other person didn't even know they've hurt you. That's a crazy thing where you lie, you're be, being enslaved. And a person, you need make it right. you, figure, you know, get together. Because hurt, if you hold on to that, hurt becomes bitterness. Bitterness becomes anger. Anger can become hatred. I just described probably a cycle that we that you've experienced at some point. You see, feelings when they're not under the lordship of Christ, and when, when our mind has not been transformed, feelings can actually enslave us. And, and the apostle Paul knew this, and this is why he speaks so strongly to the church here in Ephesians chapter four. And by the way, if, if you, it's interesting, you just need to study all through scripture. This whole idea of the renewing of the mind is found everywhere, found everywhere. It, just, it's amazing how often this shows up. But here in Ephesians chapter four, verse 17, the Apostle Paul says, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Now real quick, when he says Gentiles, it's not like in a general sense, anybody that's not a Jew, though there are times in the New Testament that context is used. This context here, he's using the Gentiles to describe unbelievers. These are those who, who do not believe in Christ. Uh, they are not regenerated. Do not walk as they do. What did he say? In the futility of their minds. So there's, there's a condition that marks, that marks us uh, when, when we're under the, 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 the enslavement of sin. There's a futility of our minds. He says, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due, here we go, to their hardness of heart, Look at look at verse nineteen. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality. Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And I I want to pause here. We're going to come back and and keep reading. But what Paul is doing here, and and even if you read the rest of his, his epistles, as much as anyone, Paul describes a picture of someone who is mastered or enslaved by their feelings. Someone who goes wherever their feelings take them. These feelings have to be satisfied. Like you, you've been there, like you're, you're driving by Taco Bell. And before you eat, you don't even know what happened. You're in the drive-thru lane. And by the time you realize you're there, there are cars behind you and it's like a 23 minute wait if it's here in Nam. Anyway, uh, and long, long story long short, sure, you, you, you don't eat, sometimes you just react. You're around the house. How many of you graze throughout the day? You're like a cow. You're just grazing like, him, take some of that. You don't even realize you're doing it. Yesterday, uh, I, I had uh, I'd got out some stuff and I'd put it on the counter, and what was there was uh, that trail mix. I love trail mix. I can't, I'll guarantee you, I had like seven cups of trail mix, and it didn't even feel like I Like everything time I'm going, I, I, you don't even think about that. It's funny because Paul says, and he's describing Philippians 3, he, he draws this distinction between, between believers and those who are unbelievers. He said, don't be as those who, in essence, he's talking about, he says they serve the God of their belly. Those He actually goes as far to say as those whose God is their bellies. And what he's describing is just someone who goes wherever their feelings take them. When this, when this happens, the human body becomes our primary source of pleasure. Whatever the body wants, whatever the body we think the body needs, that's what the body's going to get. And this is what Paul is talking about. Even again, you go to Romans chapter 1, where he talks about giving them over to a, really to a reprobate, a depraved mind. He said he does, he's talking about God does this when man begins to serve the creature rather than the creator. When pleasure is king and the body becomes God, the result is we're enslaved by our feelings. And, and what I'm, what I'm going to share is as practical a message when it comes to this idea of holiness as we might hear. I, I need what I'm getting ready to share And I don't want us to miss what's going on here. There's something powerful here. Because in Ephesians chapter 4, what, what Paul's describing in these, these three verses that I read is the person whose heart is hardened, who has become callous, the more they chase whatever, the, the, the more they chase sensuality, the, the more their pleasure receptors are deadened, I have to have more. That becomes the drive, the cry of this heart. I have to have more. This is at the heart of addiction. I have to have more. I'm gonna give a shout out real quick to, to Celebrate Recovery. We've launched this uh, several weeks ago. I was there Monday night. Awesome. Man, if you, if you have a chance, you just need to come for the worship service for Celebrate Recovery. It is awesome. And man, I, I rejoice. I walked away so full just hearing the testimonies, what God is doing, what God has done. It was awesome. I was fired up. But the next morning, Tuesday, I came in and I was doing some, uh, I was actually working on, on the message. And someone clicked me. Literally, every, every person was there. I, I had several conversations that night. I, I'll guarantee every person in that room would agree would agree with what I'm sharing here. This whole, this whole need for more. I've, it's got to be satisfied. I got to chase it. And you know, a lot of times we think of addiction as, you know, the, you know addiction to alcohol or, or drugs, some substance like that, or maybe pornography or, or whatever. And, and those are very real addictions. But dude, there's all, there, there's all kinds of other things. Like some, some of us, our addiction it's respectable sins. It's respectable things. Like I gotta have that donut. Give me that donut, people. Like get out of my way. Don't get behind somebody in the donut. You know what I'm saying? But, but that, that's okay. That's not really a sin. That's not, yeah, it is. If 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 you if that becomes your I, I've got to have it. If food becomes I thing for you, it's an idol. Oh, he's gone to meddling now. You, honestly, you, you know, what I, like. Sometimes it's even with our kids. I found this when I was, my kids are playing sports. We can find our identity and find our satisfaction, our kids' athletic accomplishments. We want to live through our kids to the place where we're more invested than their kids are. Our kids just want to have a good time. And we, dude, we love them when they're doing good, but if they, if they had a bad game, dude, we take it personal. And so we invest, we take our kids all over the place. Dude, I am really crossing the line here. It's a cool breeze. I'm just feeling it. woo But dude, no. We, we can find ourselves anytime, whatever it happens to be. I am dependent upon filling the blank. Dude, I'm just going to say it. There are some times that we can be addicted to being a victim. Preach. Was that for you or I? I don't know what's going on here. No, no seriously, we're literally, it just. Listen, hurt is real. Don't get me wrong. It needs to be healed from it. it has to be dealt with. There's all kinds. Of, I get that. But when we find our identity there, anytime, anytime we have to have this dependency upon fill in the blank, That and it's a, it's a sad that can't be stopped, I have to have more, Well, this drive to self-gratification, what it ends up doing is it leads us to a life with no boundaries. Instead of asking why not, or instead of asking why, we just ask why not. Literally, things begin to shift. And and, and if there's one phrase that as believers we need to eliminate, okay? And and I'm not judging when I say this, listen, but but hang with me here. If there's a phrase that we need to eliminate, it's this, follow your heart. Follow your heart. Guys, listen to me. The heart is a above all things. And, and I know, and listen, when people say that, they're not saying, hey, do whatever you want at the expense of everybody else. Dude, you can do what. That's not what we're, anybody says, well, that's not what we're meaning. I get that. But in fact, if, if, if you want to write down my big point, it's simply this. Really what I want to talk about this morning is what we should be saying is this. Follow Christ, not your heart. Because it's not just our thoughts that must be transformed. It's our feelings that that must be transformed. I want to talk about why that's really important. You see, if we keep on reading, here's what the Apostle Paul says. He said, don't don't walk as they walk. Don't become callous. This is what marks them. But he says in verse 20, he said, that's not the way you learn Christ. Exclamation point, by the way. He's making a point. He feels strongly about this. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. That's, this is who we are without Christ. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. There it is. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Listen, what I'm talking about, this is the pathway to holiness that we're talking about here. It's a transformation, not just of our thoughts and ideas. It's a transformation of our feelings. Now, I want to turn because you're like, man, he's like really hard this morning. I'm not, but hang with me. I want to turn from this this negative thing because there's actually a positive thing. Our feelings are given to us by God. They are a blessing from God. I want to submit, I want, I want my feelings to be sanctified just like every part of me. So what does this look like? Because there's, it's almost like there's this tension. There's this tension. I need to do more. I need to do more. If I do more, if I do more, then that's good. I, I fell into this trap early in my, when God began to open my eyes to who I was and how desperately I needed him, you know what I settled for? telling God what I was going to do to fix myself. I'm going to do this, this, and this. I'm going to set these goals. I'm going to put these disciplines in place. But here's the deal. Without a commitment to Christ, all those things are are self-motivated. They come from the strength of the self, and that wears out. After two weeks, I'm back to the same old life, or maybe two days. You see, this isn't just our part. God's part is this, and you can write this down. There two things I want us to recognize. I want us to look at God's part and our part. First thing is God's part. God's part is the renewing. This is what God does. He, he's doing this work of renewing. I'm not going to totally uh, repreach last week's message, but let me say this He does this a variety of ways. First of all, God renews us by changing our identity. I think this is bigger than what we think. Our identity is bigger than our feelings. Your identity in Christ is more important than even what you think of yourself. And if you're not sure who you are in Christ, man, I love Ephesians 1 and 2, and I would challenge you, read through Ephesians 1 and 2. Anytime you see in Christ, through Christ, for Christ, of Christ, underline it, because almost every time he's saying, here's who you are in Christ underline it, put your name in there. This, this is who he says you are. We say it. I am who you say I am. Who do you say I am? Ephesians 1 through 2. Uh, Ephesians 1 and 2. I actually give you a great picture of this. Because a lot of times we fall into something else. When we begin to understand who we are in Christ, God begins to sanctify even our feelings. I've, I've had to learn this the hard way. I, I've wrestled with this across the years. <laughs> in fact, this uh, past week, we, I'm part of a group called City Network, and it's a group of, of uh, other pastors here in the area, and our focus is on planting churches. It's actually really cool, in the last five years, um, together, as, as we work together, we've helped support each other and all this. We, it's, been, it's like something over 40 churches have been planted just here in the Treasure Valley in the last five years. It is amazing. But we're having this conference, and, and so I'm looking around the room, and it hit me. Dude, I am the old person in this room. And like some of you are like, yeah, there's a lot of white in the beard. I don't feel old. Like I feel 20, 27, 20, I feel 27, right? I don't feel old, but I'm looking around I'm like, dude, like, like everybody in the, and there's all these younger church planners and, and, and dude, I love church planners, it is so cool. Dude, they're like all cool. And I'm like, dude, I am no longer cool. I, somebody said, "Yes, you are." No, I'm not. I just tell you. Like, ask my daughter, my son. You're not cool, Dad. You're wearing that. Oh, ooh. You know, I, I looked around. I'm like, in fact, uh, Pastor Matt spoke at the conference and just tore it up. Did a great job. But Matt came come to me last week and he's like, he said, he said, I I'm excited about preaching the conference, speaking at the conference. But he said when you do conferences, do you ever feel like this weird pressure just to conform and dress cool or whatever? I'm like, yeah, I I get it. And I like, you know, like the whole ripped jeans. Dude, I'm gonna tell you right now, nothing wrong with being cool. You you wear ripped jeans, I'm 100% in favor of ripped jeans. My thing is, dude, my skin is so white, it's like beams of light just shining (laughs) in everybody's face. I mean, it's, it's probably a visual you didn't need, but you know what I'm talking about. Dude, I, I have no problem with cool. But, but my, my, my point is, th- there's nothing wrong. Dude, you can dress. I, I, I love creativity. I have kids that are creative, and, and they, they dress totally different. I am 100% supportive of that. I don't have any issue. Like, like if you're like, what are they wearing that for, kids? He's you know, I get a, br- dude, you forgot what you did in, in high school. Like, we're all in this. But, but the reality is, we can find our identity in trying to get the affirmation of the other people around us. When I'm thinking more and checking how many people like my Facebook Status And, and I'm posting what I think is, is gonna get people to, to really, I wanna be this social media influencer. Dude, listen to me, listen to me. Our identities in Christ and God actually frees us and he, he, he actually allows us to, to experience this, this freedom from these feelings like I'm not good enough, right? I have to be like this. He, he gives us a new identity, but he also gives us new motives. Our, our motives move from, from self gratification or or, or self glorification, dude, I'm rhyming word. Self preservation. Uh, uh, listen, he he, he changes to, to, to humility to to but to gratitude. You, you know what? One of the greatest things God d- did for me, and, and probably one of the greatest things He's done for for many of you here today, is when He lets you see who you really are without Christ. And it's not a pretty picture, but He doesn't show us that to say you loser you're a loser. No, he does that. It's like, hey, this is who you are. But guess what, man? I still find I, you have value, not in what you see, not in what you've done or what you can do. You have value because of who I say you are. I'm going to change you. I'm going to take some. I'm going to transform you. This is what God does. when we actually see who we are without Christ, man, there is something that just wells up. I am grateful. This is who God is. This is what he's called me to. And, and the only response to that is, is just gratitude. So he gives, we live life not from all about, ah, dude, I gotta be this. It's, it's, it's a life of not posturing, but of, of gratitude. This is a beautiful thing that God does, but it's not just that. God also is, is, is at work in, in renewing our minds. He gives us a standard, a, a, a true north, if you will, a standard of, of right and wrong. He gives us his word, and you're like, I don't like that standard. Well, well here's the deal. Morality is subjective, If we don't have a standard, your ideal, your idea of morality will be different from the, from your neighbor next to you. And I would even say this, just because we are who we are. If we don't have a, if we don't have a standard of right and wrong, it's, it's actually going to be whatever is most expedient. And so in a certain situation, if I'm facing this, even what I say, I hold to, I justify why I can be something else and do something else. Dude, we see it all the time. Watch the news. What do you think's going on? What, what do you think is going on in Ukraine? There's a justification. Oh, yeah, we can do it. Dude, it's, it's nothing more than the shifting. It's self-motivated. What God does is he gives us a true north. And this is actually a beautiful, beautiful thing. This is why Paul says in Colossians 3.16, let the word of God dwell in you richly, admonishing one another in all wisdom. Real quick, before I move on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shut this down here in just a second. Um, the, the last thing that God does, though, in renewing us is he captivates us. And that's a beautiful thing. You're like, well, what do you mean by that? Well, I'll use this, this example. Like Lori, Lori and I, before we got married, she captivated me. Like, I mean, she chased me down. And no, I'm sitting back. <laughs> I'm walking over here because she's sitting over there. Anyway, uh, no, what, what, I, what, I, what I mean by this is man, as, as we became friends, I'm like, man, I, I really like her. There, there was something there, I, I was attracted, I was attracted to her. But then, when we actually moved past just hanging out in groups, being friends, to, to dating, there was a point where it hit me. I, can't, I, I don't want to think about a future that does not involve the two of us together. And, and so, I asked her to marry me once. Twice, three times, and she finally said yes. I mean, listen, persistence pays off. But no, not in, in all seriousness, the, I was captivated there was a new vision that I, was, that I was given. You know what I love is that God does such a work in renewing of our minds. He gives us a new vision, a vision of who we can be. It's, it's, it's not just that he calls us to be holy, be holy as I'm holy. We find that in the Old Testament. We find that uh, referenced again in the New Testament. He goes about making us holy. There is a holy work that he does, and this is beautiful. He gives us a vision that not that he's called us to something and he's like, oh, dude, this is gonna be hilarious. Like he's playing a great cosmic prank. I'm going to call you to holiness and then you're going to live the rest of your life being frustrated. No, it's not like in heaven. They're like I have the, you know, Grace Bible Church YouTube channel. Guys, you got to watch these guys. Oh, dude, they're messed up. They think they're, they think they're doing it. No, he's making us holy. He sanctifies us. This is the work that he does in cleansing us. And it begins with renewing our minds, renewing our thoughts, our ideas, our feelings. Okay, so where do we go from here? What's our part? We talked about God's part, it's the renewing. Our part is just simply what Paul says, to put off and to put on. And there's a beautiful balance between God's work and our work, putting off and putting on. For for instance, putting off, if you become... Only focus and obsess with putting off, it turns into legalism. Stop, don't do that. Stop, don't. You know, it's, it's all about, I've got to stop. It's all about the self-discipline. Listen, there's a discipline aspect to this, but that's not what Paul is talking about here. Well, I'll illustrate. When, when Lori and I moved into uh, the house that we're in right now, uh, man, it's been like 14, 15 years ago, we didn't have enough money at the time. <laughs> we bought the house, and we didn't have enough money to put in the backyard at the time. So we had the fence around, And it was just dirt. Well, I found out that you can still grow things. And I was growing quite the orchard of weeds in my backyard. And I got one of those fun letters from the HOA, like, you have a weed slash tree tree in your backyard, and it has to be dealt with. I'm like, if you just looked over the fence, there's a lot going on back there. And so I'm like, okay, we're gonna take care of this. And so, so I took off, you know, day, I just went back, I cleaned everything out and taken care of everything and, and literally got every single weed was gone. I'm done. You know what I found out? If you, don't put weed, if you don't put grass down, those weeds will come back. I hear that. Somebody feels my pain. And so here's the thing. When it comes to just being focused on putting off, if you're not putting on, you know what's crazy? They just come back or they crop up in a lot of different areas. Whereas on the other hand, if you're obsessed with only putting on, that just leads to hypocrisy because you're not putting off anything. You're just trying to put on things to make yourself feel better or look better. or whatever. No, there's this healthy balance. Put off, put on. This is, what, this is what we have been called to. And, and, and I, I would, I'm going I'm to venture to say that in this renewing of the mind, the transformation of our feelings, this put off and the put on, there are some things, there are some things that God has asked you to put off and there have been things that he's asked you to put on. My question is, what, do you find yourself struggling with that? In fact, I'm just going to ask a question, and this is not judgmental. In fact, I actually, I think this is part of our growth in holiness. Is there something that you once put off or put on that is not continuing to be lived out? Because Christ actually wants something for you so much that he allows us to be part of it. He doesn't make us robots and just do, do, do. do He does not do that. He allows us to be part of the thing. And I think there's this mistaken idea that, that, you know, just... God's going to deliver me once for all. For instance, uh, this was a few months ago. I had a buddy of mine visit me. I, uh, grew up, went to youth group with him as, uh, you know, family, known him. I hadn't seen him for years. Literally it had been, man, probably six, fifteen, 15 or 16 years since I'd seen him. And so, man, I, I walk out of, uh, you know, walk out of the sanctuary and I turn like what are you doing here? He kind of laughed and said, hey, just wanted to surprise you. Well, so we ended up going out for lunch. And as we're at lunch, I hadn't heard his story. He tells me his story. And long story short, this guy was a great salesman, uh, making great, great money, great money. But he became addicted to alcohol and literally alcohol. Robbed him of everything. He, he walked through. I knew his former wife. I know a lot of, a lot of family and all of that sort of thing. And he, he just walked through everything that alcohol stole from him. He said, he said, Keith, he got to the place. He said, I am making uh, over six figures. And I'm living with my parents in a double wide. And I, I, can, I can hardly, I can hardly say, he said, but I am still, I am obsessed with this addiction. And he said, I, I, he said, I, I knew who got, who, you know, I was raised in the church, I knew all these things, but he said, one night he said, I was stoned half out of my mind. And he said, in the middle of my inebriation, he said, God broke through and said, what are you doing here? And it was like, he said, and many started to, his, he started to cry and he said, I ran outside and I fell on my knees and said, God, I cannot, I cannot break this addiction. You have to change me. And he said, I surrendered my heart to him out there in, in, in the yard. And he said, instantly, God delivered me from alcohol. And he's like, I was, he said, the, the days that followed, this is amazing, he said, it literally, he said, since that day, there's never been, there has not even been one temptation. But he said, I thought that was gonna be how it was gonna be for all of my life. But he said, Keith, he said, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell you. He said, I've tried to kick the nicotine addiction, and he said, that hasn't been the same thing. He said, and I've asked several times across the years, God, why would you, he said, if you can deliver me overnight, why wouldn't you deliver me from everything overnight? And he said, I don't know that I've received a direct answer from God other than, he said, as I've looked back over the last however many years it's been. He said, God has been doing his best work not in this area that he delivered me from instantly, though I'm thankful for that. He's delivered me in the everyday grind. One day at a time as I pick up my cross and deny myself and follow Jesus. And he said, do I fall from time to time? He said, I have. He said, but I found out who God is in the midst of this. What he was describing to me was the pathway to holiness. There's this fallacy that that just one time God's like, hey, let me snap my fingers, we're good. In an instant, we're given a new identity. In an instant, we're given a new name. We're a saint, you're not a sinner, you're a saint. In an instant, you're, you're, you're given a new destiny. But then what God does is he goes about making us in real life who he's calling us to be. And what that involves is this beautiful, energetic, Awesome collaboration between us and the king of the universe in which God does the work of renewing our minds. But as we agree with him in obedience and we put off and we put on, which ultimately leads us to the last thing I'm going to leave you with is the result, which is this. Our feelings are spiritually formed. This is actually a beautiful thing. Our feelings are spiritually formed, as our mind is renewed, there is growth in holiness. Guys, I'm I'm telling you, and I I don't say this to pat myself on the back, this is a God story. I am not who I was when I started this journey. Have I had ups and downs and and failures and sins and confession? You better believe it. That's part of my testimony. But church, the beauty of this is I'm not who I used to be. And can I tell you this? Who you are today is not who you're going to be. Can I tell you that no, wherever you have to get, there is coming a day when he who began a good work in you is gonna be able to complete it. But do not miss this. He's not gonna leave you where you are. He's going to change you one step at a time. He is going to literally, God is going to restore to us what was stolen from us thanks to sin and its perversion even of our feelings. Think about this. What if your feelings stopped running your life? How would that look differently in your life? How, what would it look like if you were not enslaved to your feelings? If you weren't chasing them, obeying them? I can tell you this, the person who's a porn addict, he can actually learn how to truly love. Because you know, you know what's amazing about this? God takes all this, he does this renewing work. He transforms us. Anything that's not his, this is what he's doing. He's sanctifying even our feelings. And, and he gives us a foundation based on, on faith and hope. Faith in a God who is able, hope that he'll, that if he said he's gonna do it, he's gonna do it. And then what he does is he replaces us. It's interesting, you look at the fruit of the Spirit, the first three fruits of the Spirit are emotions. He replaces, I think, through the primary emotions, love, joy, and peace. Isn't that awesome? Where he, so, so for instance, what? If you think about it, those are the, thi- those are the, the things that, that, that are, are holy, that drive us. He can take a porn addict and, and give him the ability to love, truly love, not a self-gratification, truly love. He, he can actually he can take somebody who is chasing who is who is chasing the expectations the affirmation of others and he literally can give them a joy not based on what other people think but here's who you say I am he can take someone who's addicted to the bottle to food to 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 victimhood or, or whatever and take that 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 the thing that you're running to to escape pain or anger or fear you can experience a peace that passes understanding what I love is the feelings aren't a problem when they're mastered by the master. Faith does this work in which feelings don't become a problem. Feelings become the blessing that God intended them to be. So where do we go from here? I'm gonna leave you some applications on the back of your, your guide. You gotta have a vision. You gotta have the intention and the means. The vision is this. Christ must be Lord of all, including my feelings. The intention is a commitment that we have to make. God, with your help, my feelings will be secondary to my commitment with Christ. Follow Christ, not your heart. And the means is this, I will recognize the reality of my feelings. Man, some of you just need to seek out objective opinions. Ask somebody that's close to you that loves you enough to speak truth. They'll tell you. As God reveals unhealthy feelings, I will drop or put off what he is asking for and put on what he has provided And as I intentionally commit to the word of God as true north, I will live out my identity in Christ and find out what it means to experience the transformed life. God is saying still today to our church, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is God's holy and perfect will. And Father, I pray that you would do this work in us and through us. Thank you for what you're doing, this, this work of holiness in which you are transforming us, making us new. Maybe there's somebody here today, God, that has never taken that next step. They've, they, they've never started this journey. And I'm praying that in, in, in these days, especially, that they would hear your voice, that they would respond to your call. God, it's so simple. Lord, they, they can't change themselves. If they they would just turn to you, I know that you will save them, that you will change them. And God, you will go about like you're doing with every other believer in making them who you've called us to be, holy. And so God, thank you for loving us enough to change us. And God, we thank you for the hope of knowing the best is yet to come, that one day you're gonna finish what you started. And so God, as we leave here today, we... We put ourselves, we put ourselves, that living sacrifice, Romans 12.1. We We present ourselves a living sacrifice. Transform all of us, our minds, our thoughts, our ideas, our feelings. And for what you're going to do in and through your people, we'll thank you for this. And I pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said. Amen. It is so good to have you here. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I don't always do this. I'm going to just stay up here in the front because I've had a lot of people follow up with me. So, so if you want to talk more, come up and, and do that. Uh, but I, I'd love to have the chance to connect. But it is so good to have you go with God. He's not done. The best is yet to come.